There are a lot of misconceptions around the topic of human trafficking. So many people think it happens in other countries or it happens only to people living in poor conditions or that it looks like a guy in a big white van zooming in and snatching people off the streets. While part of that might be a tiny, tiny bit true, and I mean a very tiny bit true, human trafficking in reality looks very different. The fact is it can and does happen right here in our own backyards to kids and adults, both boys and girls, men and women, we interact with every single day. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, a CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an all-around amazing person who's trying to make a positive impact not only through their personal life, but also with their professional career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact right where you are. My guest this week is Anna Patak. Today's episode is a little different than usual. Anna is an overcomer of sex trafficking. She is taking her story and sharing it with others as a part of the fight to end this horrific reality for so many around the world and in our own communities. I am in awe of her. Anna actually joined me live here in the studio and our conversation was tough and deep and rich and challenging and fun and so many things. It is going to inspire you. Now onto my conversation with Anna. Hey, Anna. Welcome. Hey. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so yeah. excited. Well, one, I love having people live in the studio because, you know, I always say when I'm recording on Skype that it's as though we are, you know, just sitting down for coffee or lunch, even though I don't drink coffee, but, you know. <laughs> but here, we like we actually get to see each other face to face. Yeah, it's fun. It's definitely more fun. Definitely more intimate and just hanging out with your girlfriends. So I know. It's great. Yeah. I know. Before we get started, I have to go back. So the first time I ever was really introduced to you as as far as like me learning about you was I guess it was 2000 was it 13 or 14 when you designed the line with Elegantes? Oh, I didn't realize that you knew about that. Yes. Yeah, girl. Yes. Yeah, that this was is like throwback. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's so wow, that's so humbling. Um yeah. My friend yeah. Emily Sexton. Yes. Yeah. So Emily, I know she went up to New York for Fashion Week and got to photograph everything and film it. And Oh, girl. It was, yeah. She's a rock star. She's she amazing. came up and she did the videography. And I mean, it was definitely crazy. I think we shot the promo video in a day. Yeah. And so one time we actually had to sit inside a closet and record <laughs> the voice like when we were talking. And she's like, you know, talk slow. And so we're in a closet talking slow, trying to describe what we're doing. And it was crazy. And then we're in like a, a subway trying to like film something and people are like who is this chick like what's going on because you know in New York you never know yeah you, you never, never know. know yeah you see a yeah. camera in the subway you're like who is that person are they a celebrity oh my gosh yeah it was crazy but yeah um I was very blessed to launch a collection called the freedom is the new beautiful collection with elegant tees I came up with that um how it works for me because I don't have a background in fashion I have a background in I love fashion oh my gosh it's amazing yeah uh, <laughs> but um so I came up with the the name freedom is the new beautiful and then kind of the creative aspect behind it yeah and then what I wanted and then the my merchandiser elegant tees we kind of go back and forth she's like the fabric won't work that way she's like what are you doing it just won't work like Anna <laughs> get it together or like oh girl you got it yes girl and so <laughs> it just goes um yeah so we did a whole collection and now um we've been on hold for a while because funding is just really hard um yeah. you know and uh so I have two pieces coming out later this year. Awesome. Um, but the goal is to be, you know, show fashion in a modest way, but in yeah. a beautiful way. Because I think today's culture, everybody thinks the less clothes you have on, the more beautiful you are. Right. And it's not even only a faith-based thing. It's it's more so it's like, you know, well, I mean, there's a lot of things about that. But just like at the end of the day, it's so much more beautiful to cover your body yeah. than not, you know? Yeah. And I truly believe for a variety of reasons, plus my husband's like, thank God you don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Okay, so um, 
to really kick us off, I know I like digress there right at the beginning, but I wanted to tell you that because I, yeah, it's been years and I just I think it's that. so funny. <laughs> um, so to really kick us off and get us started, I want you to do what I have all my guests do and that's give us the Anna 101. So tell us your story and um, how you got to where you are today. Yeah. Okay. So um, I have been working in the human trafficking movement or anti-human trafficking movement. I always say I work in human trafficking and my husband's like, Anna, no, anti, <laughs> anti. And then, Anti, yeah. and then he's a traffic engineer, so that doesn't help either. Oh, gosh. He'll be like, he works in traffic, and he's, he's like, Anna, no, just stop. <laughs> just stop. Um, I consider myself the Indian version of Legally Blonde, so I, I put law and fashion together. I so. love it. And um, found the guy in my dreams in the end, Jesus and my husband. So, yeah. <laughs> so with that say, being said, um, a lot of my platform in the beginning was based on my story because I was trafficked in North Carolina as a teenager. So um, growing up, I was adopted into an American family and I was um, unfortunately sexually abused and verbally and emotionally abused Mm. as a kid um, by various family members. And then um, I had a lot of self-worth issues. Like, I know I look great now. so. (laughs) But at that point, I thought that beauty was if you were blonde hair, blue eye, because I was, besides my sister, who was also adopted, we were the only Indian kids Mm. in our community. So I felt very out of place. So I had these self-worth issues. Uh, My parents divorced and married several people um, since then. Um, And so there's a lot of abandonment issues. So you've got abandonment issues, self-worth issues, um, and then self-image issues. So then in middle school, I developed an eating disorder. Um, and then, I mean, I would literally, if I had mm. too many sips of sweet tea, I would cry. Mm. It was horrible. And I mean, I was told that if you have curves, you're ugly. And so that's where that came from. So mm. uh, try to commit suicide a few times. Uh, and then we get to high school. And mm. I start working at a movie theater. And um, I always had a love for music. I always had a love for the arts. And... Uh, I met the projectionist there, and he's like, I heard about your love for music. Do you want to take guitar lessons for free? And I mean, what's every high schooler's favorite word? Free. You know, and now Mm -hmm. Snapchat, whatever. But (laughs) the truth. Girl. And so, yeah. So um, he started teaching me guitar lessons over like a six-month period, and he started telling me things like, I just think you're amazing. You're gorgeous. I want to be with you all the time. And for this girl who had all the abandonment, self-worth, self-image issues – that was music to my ears. Right. So I got kicked out of school. I'm a junior in high school at this point, and uh, I didn't have anywhere to go. I was kicked out for bad behavior. I was crazy. Um, you know, so he was like, well, you know, you could come live with me. We're already dating. And I forgot to mention also he was 40 years old. Oh. And white guy, uh, redneck. I Please, if you're redneck, don't take offense. He just, <laughs> he just I don't know how else to describe him. No, yeah, um, no, that's totally fine. Hippie, I don't know. But um, yeah, so I moved in with him and everything seemed normal. And people were like, that's not normal. But to me, that was normal. Right. So uh, move in. Everything is pretty much normal in the beginning. And then he asked me if I wanted to be a part of his art project and be his number one model. And, of course, I'm like, yes, of course I want to be your number one model. And so we began the pictures, and they began – they started innocent and became more sexual in nature, and I was forced to do unthinkable things. Uh, There was one time where I looked at the calendar in the kitchen. I was like, what is – like, what are all these numbers? And he's like, oh, they're – um, how many times we've made love and really it was how many times I was raped and mm-hmm. I found that out later he kept control of my money I was still going to school at this point mm-hmm. and uh, I mean barely and rarely is what I say but um, my teachers like they'd call me at like one in the afternoon like where are you I'm like oh my boyfriend just wanted to lay in bed all day and they're like no get to school and I'm like no 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 he he wants to spend time with me and that's all that matters so then um, also another issue was that, um, there would be times where I would wake up with, and naked on the kitchen floor, just did not remember what happened. And mm-hmm. he'd be like, but I could feel that something sexual had happened. And he was like, um, yeah, uh, you were sleepwalking. And I believed him. Mm-hmm. We would go to the grocery store and I'd go to the other aisle and he'd find me be like, don't leave me. I love you. And I want to be with you all the time. And again, these words to me were what I wanted to hear. I yeah. didn't see it as control. So this went on for about a year and a half. I was still going to high school. So I tell people, I'm like, if you have a teenager who likes music or a teenager who likes to go to, you know, work their part-time job, 
those are two criteria that I had. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so over a year and a half span, this went on. And then he started talking about want to get married. And I was a senior in high school. And my husband will tell you that I have a little bit of a strong-willed personality. <laughs> <laughs> so he, um, I found a girl at work that I moved in with quietly behind the scenes. And, like, I would come home. He's like, where's your hoodie? I'm like, oh, I left it at school. Really, it was at her place. Yeah. So I got fired from the movie theater, and that was the clean break. Yeah. So um, I'm trying to make it short, but like, um, no, no, yeah, yeah. So I, when I got fired from her from the movie theater, moved in with her. Uh, the reason it was clean break, there was no social media at that point. Yeah. Um, and this was in like the early 2000s, and um, so yeah, no social media. He couldn't say, "Oh, she's at Papa John's. Let me go find her." Right. And he kept asking everybody where I was, and they're like, "This is weird," and so they wouldn't say anything. They're like, "This is just really weird." He's trying to find her. Uh, so fast forward a few years, I had lunch with girls who worked with me at the movie theater. And when I um, started talking to them, like, Anna, something weird is going on. I was like, what's going on? They're like, he keeps trying to get girls to be a part of his art project and pose nude and do these things. And mm. I was like, wait, what? Like, why would he do that with you? I don't understand. And so kind of just let it go, even though I was really confused. 2009 rolls around. He passed away of colon cancer. I know you're not supposed to be upset when people die, but you're kind of like, and you don't want someone to die or wish that upon someone, but I was like, oh, well. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And so I was like, I need to get those pictures back. I don't want his family to find him. So I saw his sister at the funeral. I was like, hey, can I go meet up with you or something to get the pictures or go to the house? She's like, I have what you're looking for. They're in my safe. We'll uh, meet up. So she gives me this big box when we meet up, and I was like, what the heck is in this box? I get home, and I find out that the box has, like, thousands of pictures of me. He'd been mm. mass-producing them. I had zero clue about this. Mm. So then I still didn't understand what was going on. So a few years later, I heard about human trafficking. I'm like, this is an intriguing topic. I was oh, like, wow. man, this, to- this happens overseas. Oh, I should go do some mission work. And I, I didn't realize it happened in the U.S., so then I read a um, – this is how I found out it was in the U.S. I read an article of a girl in Wilmington, and it said young girl meets older guy. Older guy meets uh, – ask her to do part of his art project. And um, I was like – I was like, wait, that's what happened to me. I was trafficked? Like, how does – really? And so that's when everything hit yeah. me. But I wasn't taken. I wasn't chained. I, well, there was one situation where I had a little bit of restraint going on. But um, – I was out and about, and when people think of human trafficking, they think of that girl who's chained or that girl right. who was taken, things like right. that. And that wasn't me, but luckily, Jesus is real. So Amen. that um, I entered a program called Mercy Multiplied, and that's where wow. I worked through a lot of my stuff. But Jesus wow. is definitely the reason for the uh, transformation that I have. Wow. Yeah. Anna. There's so much I want to I want to really dive into because yeah. the work that you do now is you do a lot of traveling and a lot of speaking and and educating and you've done some training. I know you spent um, time in Malta. That's where you yeah. met your husband. Mm-hmm. So I want to get to all of that. But um, I think I mean just amongst your story, and that's really the first time I've gotten to hear your whole story. I've heard mm-hmm. bits and pieces of it. Um, but I think you know, as somebody who I personally, you know, I was never exploited or trafficked, um, obviously. Um, but I, you know, I spend a lot of time working in this arena, and this is um, this is my heart, and this is my passion is ending human trafficking in our yeah. lifetime. And I was kind of had to giggle at the beginning when you said like I work in human trafficking. I mean, anti anti. Yeah. That's what I always <laughs> say too, where I'm like I'm working with this human trafficking organization, that I'm like I mean anti anti because yeah. it does like if somebody doesn't know, they're like wait what. Yeah. Um, They're like, uh, uh, okay. You're doing what? Uh, But I think um, one of the the things that you mentioned brings up such a a relevant and important conversation that I – feel like I have all the time and I feel like I'm never going to stop having. And it's this this notion, this idea of human trafficking doesn't look like what we think it looks like um, all the time. It is a very wide-ranging issue – it is a, you know, yes, there are, you know, brothels in, in you know, other countries and there are brothels here in the United yeah. States. And yes, like, have it, has it happened before where the big white van comes up and swoops somebody up? I, I'm sure it does. Yeah. But the more common instances of trafficking here in the United States do not look like what we think. And and I, I talk all the time about 
you know, some of the the victims that I have had um, just, I, I honestly say the honor of speaking with and, and, and talking mm-hmm. with and hearing their stories is, you know, they were groomed. Like you mentioned, yeah. like you've spent six months hearing all these things like you're so beautiful and why doesn't anybody treat you like a princess that you are? And they spend that time earning that trust. Yeah. And the reality of your story is, is that it wasn't until years later that you even had realized that you'd been trafficked. And so I hear so often from people who are like, well, well, if somebody's being trafficked or if they're being exploited in this way by somebody they know, why don't they just get out? Yeah. And it's not that simple. Mm-hmm. And so I'd love for you to kind of just tell us a little bit about that, of that portion of it, of, you know, while all of this was happening, you know, how do you answer the question, why didn't you just get out? Oh, yeah. So before I got help, maybe a year or so before, but I had realized what happened to me. Um, I remember I was doing a news or radio interview and they asked me, they're like, why didn't you leave? And I could not answer the question. Mm. Like I just, I was like, oh, but it was my fault or whatever. And then luckily when I was in my program, um, God spoke to me, it wasn't your fault because you didn't know any better. Right. And you know, I didn't know he was an adult. He should have known. He should have known better. He is at fault. Like, there's no way as a kid that I could have the ability with what I'd been through to understand that. And yeah, he, yeah, the, um, I think that people forget that chains can be invisible. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, people say, oh, they're, you know, they're falling backwards in their walk because of depression or something that you can't see. Or a woman has had, like, you know, problems with fertility or whatever and they're like you should get you know there she has time to heal and get over and things like that people so they have this patience with people who've been through these things right. or um they're like oh you know they had an alcohol addiction to alcohol because of the things they've been through but then we expect people who've been abused to just leave right right as if you're just supposed to get over but yeah he kept this control and like grooming my mind and making me think of love a certain way and um, becoming and just isolating me from yeah, my friends and right. giving me all these reasons why it was better to be with him than them. Isolation is mm. is so yeah. is such an, a big part of it. And yeah, um, you know that's one of the things. Like when we do trainings and, and I go and you know do trainings with organizations or speak with with different groups and we talk about like the signs to look for mm-hmm. and it's like is that person being isolated by somebody are they like being kept away or you know what are those types of signs that you're looking for and um yeah I mean yeah so how old were you when you first got connected with him I'm like not 16 ex- if you were a junior 16 17 yeah yeah I because I kept it for secret so long because right. I've literally asked a lot of my friends who are around there and they're like we don't know because you kept it a secret for a while because mm. I was trying to figure it out and I was like I don't know so I always say between 17 and 19 is when everything happened right um I mean I think about yeah. me at mm-hmm. that age I mean you bring up such a great point of just like that so many people like to treat 16 17 18 19 year olds as adults and they are to an extent but developmentally in the brain like the decisions that i was making at 16 17 were not rational decisions yeah you know after i mean i remember after my mom passed um my senior year of high school i was 17 years old and i made some decisions that year that were in no way mature or rational or good for me, Um, you know, but just developmentally, like your brain can't process these things and really know how to make a mature, rational choice. And when you have already been through so much and like you you mentioned with just, you know, emotional and physical and spiritual abuse in so many ways, you know, how, how could you have known? I mean, that just breaks my heart. Yeah, and I think that, like, we normalize a lot of, like, sexualization of mm. where that power control of meaning that you listen to rap songs now. Right. And a lot of the lyrics, the secular music is that, um, luckily it's not in Christian music, but <laughs> where it's like, you know, the man is, like, pimping is normalized. It's right. like, if you can profit off a woman, all that matters is that you're being taken care of as a woman. You're like, well, right. I got a purse he's giving me a place to stay and you know i'm having sex you know with different people for him and Mm. so it's like we've normalized this yeah uh social media i think plays a huge role in the grooming um Mm. aspect because 
it's really hard for me when I I'm not a parent, so I can't fully understand. Yeah. But it's really hard when I hear parents like, well, I don't want to get too controlling over the social media because it'll backfire and then they'll be more rebellious. And so to that, I can't speak on that because I'm not a parent. And I know parents do their best. Well, the majority of parents do their best. Yeah. Um, yeah. They could do a little bit better, some of them. But um, so they don't realize that social media kids, I mean, they're on there now. They put out everything, everything. 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 And um, it can easily be easy to just get, you know, control or just get connected with a kid. Right. And when I do speak, usually I ask uh, someone who's wearing, you know, nice clothes and they're pretty. And I say, can I use your phone really quick? And um, they hand it to me and I'm like, it's that easy. It's that easy for someone to get a hold of your contact information. Right. Um, and then, like, you know, we think about maybe our age when there was chat rooms on AOL. Yeah. And everything. Oh, yeah. And how we would just talk to people. And then now it's, like, it's so much more worse oh, than that. Way and, worse. Mm-hmm, yeah. So I think that definitely I, it's so many people, I tell them what to look for, and they're just like, wait, really? I've seen that before. Usually every speaking engagement, I get usually one girl who comes up to me. And um, I think another thing is, like I was mentioning before, about the expensive gifts. Mm -hmm. So um, the old, like, I always see it, like, if I was a teacher and I saw a girl getting a really nice purse, and then she, I'd be like, oh, where'd you get it? She's like, oh, my boyfriend, we just started dating, like, a week ago. I'm like, how the heck does he afford a $2,000 purse? Right. And um, things like that. You also should look for tattoos. Yes. uh, Branding. Uh, just like cattle, <laughs> yeah. uh, pimps do it too. So an example would be a barcode with a number. It's usually their prison number. Um, it'll be, it could be a really big um, tattoo that might say owned by, or um, I was interning at a courthouse and there was a girl who came in and the words, the game were tattooed on her eyelids, which is another um. name for prostitution. I know you all, you know all this. Yeah. And um The other thing that I think people forget is that pornography can easily become a form of sex trafficking, which is why I did and not initially think of it. Uh, And um, and so, again, I think our social media, like I said, is in pop culture is normalizing sexualization. Right. Right. Um, I think you like bringing up the point about including pornography in it. And especially when. you know, again, breaking down those those kind of stereotypes and those preconceived notions of what human trafficking looks like and how, again, people think it's like, oh, okay, you know, somebody is, uh, you know, brought into a van and then they're, like, trafficked all day long and they're, like, made to sleep with 30, 40 men a day. Like, yes, that happens. Yes, that is trafficking. But, you know, the federal definition, not to get too, like, well, let's talk about yeah. the definition, <laughs> but the federal definition of human trafficking is – any type of like sexual or labor um, or labor uh, work that is that involves force, fraud or coercion. And you were I mean, you yours falls under a lot of the coercion and the the fraud part, you know, and so because you were mentally kind of brought into that. And, you know, we see all the time, like when I talk about labor trafficking and somebody's like, you know, the, the door-to-door magazine salesman and people don't realize like that person is probably being trafficked. And again, they have no idea because yeah. there's this promise of money and they're being they're being basically brought in under fraud. Yeah. And that is trafficking. But people don't realize it. Oh, yeah. No, there was a really bad case of that in Tennessee a yes. couple years ago with the magazine trafficking or magazine labor trafficking and yeah. how that worked. Um and um, you can speak on this too, was, yeah, yeah, there was a person who, she was a young girl from Arizona, and she'd been promised all this money to do this, and they were, uh, she's going door to door to sell these magazines, but really there was like tons of them squished into one hotel room. They weren't being paid, um, and I think there was physical abuse as well, Mm -hmm. but um, one day she actually told someone she was selling, she's like, please help me, please and that person luckily stepped in and did something, and then they, there was – I don't know what the prosecution – like, what happened with that, but I do know that she was uh, taken back to her family. Right. Um, and I believe she was a minor at that point. Right. I would really like to see the age of consent uh, raised. Mm-hmm. For labor trafficking in the U.S., there's not really age. For sex trafficking, it's under the age of 18. Right. Um, and I was very blessed to be able to testify for the North Carolina Safe Harbor mm-hmm. Act, wow, and that extended awesome. the consent from – uh, 16 to 18 but if they're under 18 you do not need to prove there's um, consent an issue of consent so yeah um, but yeah it's like 
I don't know. My thing is that we don't expect people to drink responsibly until age 21, Mm -hmm. but we expect kids to take their sex life seriously at 18. And the other thing is people forget there's one day that separates 18 and 17 and i'm sure parents can be like there wasn't much difference in that day that one day there just wasn't i mean even us as teenagers like we think about like we were talking about it's like there wasn't really much we knew more than 18 so i think that's that's pretty telling about kind of like changing our perspective and um as far as pornography uh something that uh, in the movement that we've been trying to push specifically in the anti-pornography movement, because it does all intertwine, right. um, is that uh, addressing pornography as a public health crisis yeah. versus a faith-based issue. Right. So uh, what that means is that people don't realize that uh, when you watch pornography, your brain operates the same way as when you do drugs like heroin. Yeah. And the dopamine level effects and the... Uh, way the brain rewires itself and everything is the same way so we're trying to bring it up as a medical issue Mm -hmm. and so far it's getting a lot ahead why utah Utah was the first one to declare it a public health crisis and slowly but surely some of the states are following suit as well yeah it's such a serious issue and Mm -hmm. for those listening that are interested in learning more specifically about the issue of pornography and how it affects human trafficking and all that stuff um, there's actually an amazing organization right now called Fight the New Drug. Love them. They are incredible, and the work that they are doing is, yeah, they can speak to it way better than I can. I mean, this is an area that I'm trying to educate myself on more, um, and I, I know enough to get by, but it's, it is certainly not the area that I have the most expertise in as far as, like, its effect on human trafficking because mm. – but at the end of the day, like, my my – passion for talking about it is pornography is a big root of the issue yeah because what happens is is it starts off quote-unquote innocently enough Mm. as a man or I mean and I wouldn't even say this is this is definitely not innocent but I mean the statistic is is that kids today are being exposed to pornography as early as age of like eight or nine yeah and the fact that kids are, are being exposed to pornography that early they're developing addictions earlier in life and what happens is is this as they grow older and it certainly can happen in teen years as well but as they grow older these men and women but I mean I'd say you know let's let's really for the purpose of the conversation talk about men is that men develop these addictions they then get into relationships and the the woman or man that they are with won't perform the acts that they've seen in pornography and so then they go out and they buy it yeah. And people are, you know, they don't really understand the kind of effect that that can have, not only on their 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 spouse or their significant other, but then obviously on the victim that they are um, purchasing from. I mean, it's just it it trickles down in so many ways. It's such a complex issue. But yeah, it is. It's so important to talk about. But fight the new drug. Oh, my goodness. They are doing Love such Clay. amazing, amazing Love. work. Yeah, I filmed with them. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, I do. Um, the National Center on Sexual Exploitation is in D.C. So National Center on Sexual Exploitation. Yeah. <laughs> Nicosi is what we call it. But, um, yeah, Clay, their founder, is a rock star. They are yeah. just amazing. And I love how they also use fashion as yeah. a way to bring awareness. And, yeah, what you were kind of talking about is how it trickles down, like, the issue. Because um, when people use, I don't know, something like a cigarette. You have a cigarette. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, gosh, after a while, you're like, this is not helping. I right. need something more. And then they right. go to a different drug and a worse drug. And, and um, it's the same concept with pornography. It's a gateway. Um, yeah, it's a gateway. And so people need more and more, um, and they buy sex, and then they're like, I, yeah, 16-year-old God isn't doing it for me. Right. So then it gets old, younger and younger. And what's mm-hmm. really disgusting is uh, how pimps get the girls pregnant, mm-hmm. and then they don't have anything to do with the baby. Yep. So what do they do with the baby? They pimp it out. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I've seen cases with six months old. It's like it's so disgusting. Yeah. So, so, so disgusting. 
I know you were loving this conversation with Anna, and I wanted to take a moment to thank our sponsor of the show who is able to help make this show possible, and that's My People Cause Box. As you know, Cause Box is one of my favorite ethical subscription boxes because I have been a subscriber for over two years. How it works is each season, a new box is filled with everything from accessories and home goods and jewelry to the best in skincare and wellness products that are not only amazing, but they are doing the most good. And each box delivers amazing value with a guarantee of over $150 worth of products for only $54.95. Or if you use the coupon code MOLLY, you get $15 off, and so that'll make it $39.95. The products are not just beautiful, they're also useful. The spring box is almost sold out, so you better hop on it. The gorgeous silver earrings from Shop Soko are so beautiful and classy. I love the kimono from Symbology, and the rose hip oil, oh, the rose hip oil from Sensuals is incredible. My skin just feels so rejuvenated and moisturized. I just, I feel like a youthful princess. <laughs> but best of all, the impact of each cause box makes the whole membership even more worth it. Their spring box employed more than 600 artisans under fair trade conditions in India and Kenya and put 100 young girls in India through school. There are a limited number of spring boxes left, so you better hop on it ASAP. Go to stillbeingmolly.com slash causebox and use that coupon code MOLLY for $15 off. Now back to my conversation with Anna. Going back to what we were talking about before as well, it's just like, it looks so different, like human trafficking just looks so different in different parts of the world and in different parts of the country. And it can have such a wide range of, um, of, you know, things attached to it. Um, one of the conversations, difficult conversations we've been having is actually, so I work with an organization in Kenya and the organization, we are working with survival prostitutes. And one of the things that I am really trying to help have I'm continually having these conversations with our um, our partners in Kenya is explaining to the Kenyans that this is human trafficking because in their culture they see human trafficking and survival prostitution as very different and I can tell you having worked firsthand with many of these um, incredible women who have had to make impossible choices that is human trafficking. When you are being told by somebody else, this is how you can make money to feed your family. When yeah. it is not something you want to do, you never want to do it, but this is how you make money to feed your family and they're being coerced and 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 you know, frauded into making these impossible decisions. You know, yes, they are making money and they're taking it home to feed their family. It's certainly not fair. It's certainly not something they want to do. It's not a decision they want to be making, but it's you know, it's educating, you know, their culture as well on what does human trafficking look like? Because their their perception is like, oh, the children that are being trafficked across country lines and things like that. And um, but survival prostitution is just another form of human trafficking. It's yeah. And it's such a comp. But it, like I said, it's such a complex thing that, um, you know, again, we just we don't know how to fix it all, but we have to start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy how it does differ in yes. different countries and things like that. And, and I know you can agree with this. Like, no one should have to have sex to survive. Right. Like, I mean, if you're married and things like that. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> no, one should, that's a different no conversation one should have to yeah. choose to have sex to right. survive. Right. And something when you were talking about the food thing, like, it doesn't always have to be money that's exchanged. It, it yes. could be, like, for me, like, I did not per se see him handing off money or exchanging money but um so legally i don't know if it could meet the definition just because of that one element but like we're starting to see in the courts how they're expanding to the idea of you know they have um they're controlling them through shelter right or controlling them through food right and um, basic basic needs yeah yeah and needs. especially when you're in an underdeveloped country or an area mm -hmm. like you might find in kenya or even in the u.s i mean you oh, think yes. about the hood areas that absolutely and the lower developed um countries and i think that um we need to look at human trafficking as a people issue yes. not a gender issue yes. not a um, you know, a demographic issue. Mm -hmm. It is a people issue. Yes. And I know that, and we're very blessed in North Carolina that the first home for boys who've been sexually trafficked yes. is being built here. Chris and Anna Smith are amazing. For store one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They actually asked me to be a founder with them when they uh, started, but we prayed about it. I was like, I don't, I don't you know, I don't think yeah. that's where I want to be, but they're just, they're so awesome. And yeah. so um, I have several friends who've been, who are men who've been trafficked. And um, I remember one was bought by a high profile um man in the government 
and um, somewhere in the U.S. And, um, you know, it's just it's tragic and how we don't have really any services for them. Yeah. And um, how we're changing that conversation to see it because we do talk about women a lot, but which is very significant. It's a big, uh, big number. And especially how women don't have the same access to education and things like that all over the world right. uh, to give them the skills where they wouldn't need to be in it. But then at the same time, if a boy, a man can't survive as well, he might, you know, turn to other things, which puts him at risk for trafficking right. as well. So. Yeah, and I think that's a, also a good um, conversation piece is is who is at risk and there's such there's this – uh stigma that it's like you have to be homeless and you have to be uh you know poor and you have to be all these things in order to be trafficked when yes those things absolutely put somebody at risk but you know you grew up in Greensboro and I mean yes your your parents have been divorced but like for all intents and purposes like you grew up in middle class America and um, I have other friends who I know who were exploited and they grew up in middle class suburbia yeah you know and but these things you know it is not it, it doesn't matter where you come from you know educating our kids is so important um you know, and we talk. We, we need to have more conversations about the LGBTQ yes. community and those youth um, that are so at risk for this. And you know, I mean, there's oh, there's just a, a large conversation. But I think it's just it's important to be talking about the fact that it does not matter who you are, how much money you make, wh- what community you raise your kids in. We have to have these conversations with our kids sooner rather than later. And it starts early. I mean. I my oldest is four and a half and no I'm not telling her specifically about human trafficking but I'm beginning to have those conversations with her about safe people yeah and safe adults and what to do when we are out in public and you know who is she talking to and you know yes we want to be kind to everyone we want to say hello and wave and say our name and when somebody asks you a question look them in the eye and you know if they say how old are you you can say I'm four and a half my name is Lily but you know how do you begin to teach your kids at that at that age you know what is what is appropriate touch by yeah. an adult you know that the only person that should be seeing your bottom are mommy and daddy when they're giving you a bath or helping you to the bathroom yes. or a doctor and even then like what is what is safe and appropriate and those are uncomfortable conversations to have for sure but they are so vital Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's great that you're talking about the body parts mm-hmm. and things. I um, I hear a lot of parents who use that tool because it's like talking about protecting your body right. and what is appropriate. Whereas because if something does happen to them when they're young, they'll be like, that wasn't right to happen. Right. Um, there is a picture book called uh, Porn Proof Kids mm. and or the organization is called Porn Proof Kids, but they have a picture book. And it helps you with your kids talk about, like, pornography, things like that. Oh, wow. And um, they're great. Uh, just really kind people. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it is – it's so hard and because you're – and now it's like – I don't know. Again, I think that no parent could protect their kids enough. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just think you should always go 110% when it comes to protecting them. And yes. it's like – monitor what the heck they watch yes. when they're a kid i mean kids you see them with like iphones and i mean i heard some kid in elementary schools have cell phones i'm like why oh, you know it's a, like we survived without them. a friend the other day was talking about how her daughter is in second grade and there are eight-year-olds with iphones yeah. that have that are not limited and i'm thinking to myself i'm sorry what right like, my husband and i have we've had this conversation and you know I maybe I'll be kicking myself and putting my foot in my mouth in 10 years or whatever. But, you know, and I don't know what the world and technology will. I mean, think about how much has changed in the last 10 years and how the iPhone wasn't even invented till 2007. So, you know, I have no idea what it's going to look like when she's in high school. But I'm like, as we as we stand right now, my husband and I are very much in agreement. Yeah, she ain't getting no smartphone like <laughs> until she can get a job and pay for it herself. Mm-hmm. And even then, until she is out of our house, 
her stuff is going to be monitored. It's going to be taken at night. She doesn't need that thing in her room by herself. She's not going to have a TV in her room. Sorry if we're the mean parents, but no way, Jose. Like, Oh, gosh, yeah. Heck no, techno. That is not happening. Heck no, techno. I cannot. <laughs> but seriously, I cannot believe. I mean, again, some of the parents listening or your kids have headphones. You do you. Yeah. I just know for me personally, like, I cannot imagine why on earth my kid needs a smartphone. Yeah. It, and I mean, it's if you are one of those people, maybe consider changing. Right. Maybe consider, um, you know, maybe transitioning to a right. different way. Like, you know, kids, you do cold turkey. They're just like, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> and so so um, maybe considering. And there are apps you can get where you can see what's going on in right. your kids' phones. Things yes. like that. Some people don't know that's an option. Right. Um, there's also an app called Covenant. Or not app, but it's a nonprofit called Covenant Eyes. Mm-hmm. They're in Detroit, but they're all over. And they're amazing. They have um, filter software uh, for computers, but they also have phone software. Yes. So you can screen and um, filter what your kids are watching, yep. and you're in control of it. So yep. if there are certain websites or if they do visit something, you know about it, uh, and that maybe can prevent you from every single day, like, what would you watch? Or stop doing this or nagging, you yeah. know, and stuff, and um, just – to help them make better choices right, right. with that. But I think a big thing when it comes to kids is seeing healthy relationships. Yes, um, I think that, um, you know, and, you know, you have a great marriage and you've got your kids and it's like they're going to see that growing right, up right. as opposed to me who I didn't have that. Yeah. And a lot of people ask what could have been done to prevent you from going in. And I said, well, long term, probably if I had seen healthy relationships. Yeah. So yeah. and then another one is a strong male role model. Um, yes. I think we forget how important that is, even for young boys, yes. like how much they need to see it. So I think um, those two are really, really important. And I tell men all the time, if you are married, love on your wives. Yes. I mean, don't go like make out from the front of your kid or anything oh, like that. Oh, my <laughs> husband and I, we totally make <laughs> out in front of our kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I mean to each their own. Yeah. And so, yeah. But like, you know, tell her how beautiful she is. Take yeah. her on a date. Say, babe, can you dress up and, like, let the kids see that, you know, you guys are going on a date and what that looks like because I think that's one of the biggest things besides an awareness. But even that, I don't think I would have known the difference. But, um, but yeah, that's so important. That's so So important. important. And before I get any, like, angry emails, I realize (laughs) that there are are certain circumstances. Sometimes you have to get your kid a phone earlier. But, I mean, my, my thinking is, like, I made it just fine without a smartphone, but I mean, I think I had a beeper, although I did have a beeper, like yeah. that, maybe that ages me a little bit. I had a beeper in middle school, but like, you know, my, it was really only so like my parents could page me and then we had an 800 number to our house. I mean, oh my gosh, oh. the things that my kids will just be like, what a beeper, an 800 number, a payphone, huh? Um, you know, but I, I think. You know, and as people say, well, all my kids are on activities and stuff like there are get them a flip phone like they don't need a phone. They don't need access to all those apps and things. like that. (coughs) Yes, I do believe that, you know, we need to we need to teach our kids, you know, safe and responsible social media usage and how to use the Internet safely. But I think I I mean, I believe that can be done within the home by having a, you know, a family computer or a family iPad that's shared that they can, you know, you can they can you can help them set up accounts, create those things and then monitor them. Yeah. And I think the other I think that's brilliant. I think that's absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, like if your kids do have smartphones and whatnot and things like that, I think that you should not be judged based on that. Definitely. So. No angry. Yeah, no angry emails, guys. No. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're all in this together. We're, all We're in this together. together. Everybody's just trying <laughs> to do this. Remember, community issue, yeah. not it. Yeah. <laughs> or people issue. But anyways, yeah. So I think, yeah, what you're saying with that is like consider, you know, maybe changing to a different phone. And I think, uh, I know that a lot of families strive for this, but having that open line of communication right. and saying, you know, in a way where kids can share things with you about being judged or Right. punished i mean if they've been talking to like some old guy on there i mean you may need to do a little bit more than right let's talk about it let's talk about but, it yeah. uh, again i'm not a parent but um yeah so like considering the software or changing to a flip phone right. it's funny now like i'll leave the house and if i don't have my phone i'm like oh my gosh what's gonna happen if i get an accident what's gonna happen if i need my thing. husband it's like there's landlines at stores yeah you can like i mean it's just we think that the life our life is over 
um, yeah. without it. But I think, yeah, a healthy line of communication right. is good um, and specifically about these kinds of things. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I just think there's a lot of different things when it yeah. comes to that. But yeah. those are a few. Yeah. Just a few. Gosh, this yeah. has been such a good conversation. Yeah. Um, I and, and, and so important. And I think one that needs to be continued just in general is people need to be to be asking these questions and, and knowing about it. Um, but I want you just to kind of share. You have used your story and you have taken what is – you know, unimaginable and unthinkable, and you have used it to bring glory to God, and you've used it to both help yourself heal, but also help others heal. Can you kind of share a little bit about what is the work that you're doing now, and what's sort of on the horizon for you, and what are you, what are you dreaming of? Well, um, so yeah, it started out a lot sharing my stories about six years ago, and um, it just continued to kind of evolve from that, and yeah. so um, it continued into, I let, like speaking for kids, um, and I love speaking for men's groups in an appropriate way. Yeah. Um, and then, um, but a lot of my focus over the past few years has been the link between pornography and sex trafficking. Mm, yes. I think we're at a place now where there are a lot of people aware of what it looks like. I say a lot of people, then I meet like 100 people who just don't know. Yeah, but, oh, uh, absolutely. But I'm getting it to where I'm at events and at least a few more know than they did a few years ago right. what it looks like. So right. we're making progress, but... That and then um, I do a lot with law and policy. Um, yeah. When I was overseas lecturing on child trafficking law, helping write laws here, uh, consulting uh, high profile leaders on just um, government figures on this kind of thing. Uh, and so, yes, I'd say that's a lot of what I've been doing. And then the fashion aspect, um, writing for a bunch of different bloggers, doing this kind of thing, yeah. uh, working on designs. Um, there will be one of your favorite organizations that I will be releasing, and it's about more than a dress later this year. If yes. you that's a hint, but I won't say who it is. But yeah. if you've been following Molly's blog or just in ethical fashion, you may know who I'm talking about. Yes. So later we'll tell you exactly who it was. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that kind of thing. And um, yeah, so. Eventually, I will be starting a blog of my own. I don't know when that'll happen. It'll be soon. So, but yeah, if we have to break it down, I've been doing law and fashion and awareness. And um, I do like working with law enforcement as well. That's yeah. something I really, really enjoy. And a lot of nonprofits contact me because they're like, your program worked. What did they do there that worked? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's been an absolute privilege to help people with that. Yeah. yeah. And that's incredible. And I think um, such an important piece of it is working with law enforcement. And um, a lot of times people think like, oh, cops, cops, they know that or law enforcement <laughs> in general, like, they know what's going on and they don't. And mm -hmm. it's amazing how many how much, you know, I've, I've, we've been doing trainings here in the area. So the, the law enforcement in central North Carolina has gotten a lot better. But, the you know, early on, we would do trainings and we were having to really educate police officers that that person is not a prostitute they are a victim they mm. should not be arrested yeah. they should be taken and helped like but breaking down i think those almost like you were talking about that that the the culture that has been created by the media and and music and all those things of the pimp culture and and you know this this preconceived notion of what prostitution looks like and all of that and breaking down those stereotypes and really yeah. helping to educate, you know, what this actually looks like. Um, and then changing policy, changing law is so, yeah. so important. Mm -hmm. And one just passed the other day um, because as kind of a general idea that a lot of online websites that offer to, um, you know, escort services or yeah. they cover up as a being you know it they say oh it's you know meet up for a some type of sexual act or whatever and everything and it's like a lot of times that is people who have been trafficked mm -hmm. and um there's a lot of different signs to look for on that but uh there's not a lot of protection through our laws when it comes to that because right. they to tell people to shut a site down it could be considered a violation of the right for freedom of speech. Right. So we had to figure out a law that could work around that that um, offers protection. So that's like that just passed like I think last yeah, month. So yeah. it's been So when this airs it will have been about a month ago. But yeah, mm -hmm. and and Craigslist just is taking down their personal section yeah, about which is a time. huge <laughs> 
huge win in the human yeah. trafficking world. Mm-hmm. And then Backpage is another website. It's always hard Ugh. to like mention the websites because if someone's listening, like, oh, well, I'll go buy sex there. And I'm like, yeah. please. No. But we're assuming that everybody else on listening has a good heart. And yeah. um, But uh, yeah, they arrested the back. Um, this EO back page oh, like a wow. year or two ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that is one of the most pr- prominent websites. And uh, so he was arrested by the Attorney General's office in Texas. Yeah, so that's right. um, Texas is a pretty influential state. Mm-hmm. Um, California has definitely kind of set the standard for a lot of things, um, which has been really great. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done, but it, it's really great. And like you were saying with law enforcement, I still meet some who are just like, oh, that's what it looks like. Yeah. Like, it was funny. I spoke at a training last week, and <laughs> the law enforcement came up to me, and they're like, I have a kid who is adopted. Can we meet up and help me with this? And I'm like, did you not hear about the trafficking oh, park? Like, my goodness. They just totally missed it, which was fine. I'm going to yeah. be with one of them and his wife, and they have a kid they've adopted. But I was like, guys, don't forget about the human trafficking yeah. element. But, uh, yeah, they don't know, and then they do. They arrest the person in prostitution. Um, I do like to say person in prostitution because I think sometimes when you say prostitute, it limits what God says about them. Mm, yeah. And so I always say person in prostitution. You can say whatever you no, want. No, no. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a, no. I think that's a great and, um, point. And I that's yeah. actually something I no. That's a great point and something I need to to work on. I mean, I certainly I don't get this right all the time, but like one of the things I I keep trying to do. Um, like just for example, instead of saying like homeless person, I say person experiencing homelessness. Yes. And that's so, it's really hard to retrain our brain, but oh yeah, my gosh, like yes. people, <laughs> people first. And I think that's a great, I don't think that that's something I even have thought about. And this is, this is something I do all the time is, is talking about, um, you know, person in prostitution. Yeah. Cause that's, oh, that's so hard. Yeah. And I think survivor can be a very empowering term. Yeah. Um, I think you can, I used to I choose to say overcomer. And let me just say, I said that term before Mandisa said, got that song. <laughs> I should have trademarked it, but then again, it's in the Bible. You just add the R after overcome. Yeah. But um, so technically, I can't take credit for it. <laughs> but I try to say that because I want people um, to see the hope and see the future. Because if you're constantly talking about what you survived, it's kind of like if you've been in a car crash. You're yeah. in the car crash and you were injured. And, you know, they're like, oh, you survived the car crash. Like, yeah, I survived it. Then years later, it doesn't affect you anymore. But it is something you went through. And it's like, I didn't survive it. It's done. It's over. I've overcome it. It's good. So I think our language definitely helps. And speaking truth over the the people who experience it, um, I think it has power, you know, um, with our words. Amen. um, To be able to help other people through that. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. man, Anna, this has been so great, and just I am just so appreciative of your openness and your oh, honesty. Yeah, no um, so this is the part of the show we're going to switch to a little bit of a lighter topic now. <laughs> I know that this has been a heavy episode, but I think that this is not. I think I know this is so important. And yes. Having these conversations over and over again, it's just it's so 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 important. Um, so, um, but this is the, the part of the show where I get to just kind of ask you some fun questions and okay. get to know you a little bit more. Let's do it. Uh, so. Uh, first question is if you could steal credit for any great piece of art, song, film, book, etc., what would you claim? Credit I would for? say Bible, but that completely <laughs> defeats the purpose. <laughs> um, yeah, let's see here. How cool would it be to say I came up with ethical fashion? Like, yeah, that would be like that would be cool. But yeah. I mean, every movement starts with an idea and yeah. then creates momentum as you go along. But no, I think that's I a guess, great one. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think that's a great one. Which leads me to my second question: Is what is your favorite ethical fashion brand? That's a hard one. I know that's a hard one. That is hard. And I was just talking about one the other day that I really like. Oh wait, no, that wasn't ethical fashion. <laughs> It's so hard because it's so freaking expensive. It is. It, it is, is hard. hard. There's um, an organization in California called Citizen and Darling. Oh, yeah. And I'll be designing with them as well. <gasps> That's awesome. Um, and I love doing graphic tees. So love I it. haven't been able to do one yet, but I'm always – Katie from Elegant Tees will tell you all the time, like, I come up with, like, such fun headlines. I took credit for that. Uh, but, I love it. Uh, yeah, they're great. They actually have onesies, um, so for newborns and toddlers, but then they have men's T-shirts, so – like one of the shirts I have, it says Freedom Fighter. Yeah. But it's just very um, empowering by saying God's truth sometimes without showing, like saying, this is what the verse says. Right. Like when I speak sometimes, I'll be like, I'm a, yeah, I'm a new creation. And I'll have people who are, you know, non faith based come up to me and they're like, that is 
such a catchy phrase. Where did you get that? I'm like, the Bible. And the they're Bible. Like, you didn't come up with that? So, uh, yeah. So I'd say they're the favorite that I can think of. And, of course, Elegant Tees just because oh, yeah, that loyalty's there. They're amazing. They're amazing. Katie's mm-hmm. awesome. Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. Um, okay. What if we were to hook up your recently played playlist on Spotify to this podcast? What would we hear? Oh, girl. <laughs> well, okay. So yesterday it would have been country music. I like it. Um, I'm a huge Keith Urban fan. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it still blows my mind how he sings country, but he's from New Zealand. I know. Isn't that weird? Yeah. And he Every time you hear like him talk, it. you're like, wait, what? Wait. Yeah. And then you know Nicole Kimmons, Australian. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so it would have been country yesterday. I like it. Uh, I love rolling my windows down and like blasting country music and people look over like, who is this Indian chick? And like, <laughs> why is she blasting country music? I'm like, don't hate on my swagger. <laughs> but um, and so this morning, because I was trying to function because I stayed up late last night cooking for my husband. Um, they it was praise and worship. I like it. I was like, get me going. It was CC Winans this morning. I haven't listened Ooh. to her in a long time. I'm oh, a huge man. fan of Hillsong Young and Free. Yeah, that's my jams. Um, for the past like year or so, I love it. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, what is one beauty product you can't live without? Highlighter. Highlighter. Girl, yes, girl. Yes. Get that glow. Oh my get gosh. Get that glow. Glowing for Jesus, right? Yes. <laughs> Let's blind them. Let's blind them. Yeah. Shine your little light yeah. with, from within. I was speaking at a church a couple weeks ago and people were always like, oh, you did great, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, praise God. And then three people are like, your makeup looks bomb. And I'm it's like, like highlighter, that's man. what you got from that, but okay. Yeah. yeah. It'd be the same thing with law enforcement. You want to talk about adoption. I'm like, that's what you got from that. Really? But, yeah. but yeah, they'll always tell me, but. Um, yeah, I love your highlighter. Does look amazing. Today. Oh, I thank you. Wet and wild. You don't have to pay a lot, you know. So yeah. I love it. Yeah. So I, I, because I like to do a full face of makeup, like pretty much every day, just because it makes me feel mm-hmm. good. Um, and I always put on highlighter. And I remember something that day was like, like I'm, a, I'm a stay at home mom. I can't wear highlighter. I'm like, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, Confidence you can. is the most important. Put that part highlighter of your on. Mm-hmm. Get that bling. Get that bling. Yeah. I just want to glow. All right. Anyway. Okay. Um, All right. So now these are either or questions. So you just answer the first one of the two. Okay. Uh, Crushed ice or cubed ice? Crushed. Pizza or pasta? Oh, man. (laughs) Pizza. Tacos or burritos? Tacos. Do you like to stay in or go out? Oh, gosh. So I'm one of those people, my husband will tell you, it is a struggle. When you get me out of the house, I'm good. But getting me out the of the process. house is like yeah. torture. Yeah. And even if I'm seeing people I love or whatever, I'm like, and he's like, just get out of the house. If he just get you <laughs> to the front door, we're good. So I guess both. Yeah, yeah. I understand. <laughs> um, do you like to read a hardbound book or read on a Kindle? I don't read. That's okay. No, that's okay. Well, so what happened was is (laughs) when you do sociology, criminology, and pre-law and help write laws and read legislation. You read all the time. You're like, give me a freaking like Candy Crush app. You need like (laughs) Netflix or Netflix and chill. Like that's what needs to happen. Literally, literally. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you prefer to wear a dress or pants? Dress. Uh, and you're wearing a beautiful dress today. What? Thank you. Uh, from, Thanks, From M. the Flourish Market. Yes, girl. Shout out to M um, and the Flourish team. Yes. Heels or flats? Heels. I believe that the higher the heel, the closer to heaven. I love it. Yes. And would you rather drive or fly? Fly. Fly. All the yeah. live long day. Yeah. I have, um, I'm going to be speaking at Ivy League school in a few weeks. And they're like, well, you might need to take a bus from uh, this one of the big cities to their place which is four hours away and i'm like i don't want to take it They're like we'll be two to three flights to get there i'm like i will take the two yeah, to three I, will take flights. <laughs> I will take it me and my carry-on we will make it i love yeah. it i love it anna this has been such a pleasure thank yes. you so much for coming on the show and for driving here all the way from raleigh yeah i know it's so <laughs> all fun. the way i mean it people are like, with oh, traffic it's only it is. a 30 minute drive i'm like no with traffic it no. can be pretty bad oh my gosh yeah and it's just like i don't know it's yeah. just it was funny my husband went to tim hawkins um event and he made a joke about how people get upset about traffic as if it's a new thing oh right and, you know but right. I mean, still i i'm the worst but again yeah. the praise and music helps yes it yes helps yes yeah. oh man well thank you so much it's been yes. such a, it's been such an honor to have you yeah of course hopefully you can do it again another time 
I absolutely adore Anna. She is such an inspiration to me, and I loved our time together. I love being able to chat with someone about things as serious as human trafficking and things as girly as highlighter. Gosh, I love her. As always, I will have all of Anna's information in the show notes. And another huge thank you to this week's podcast sponsor, Causebox. Visit stillbeingmolly.com slash Causebox, and don't forget to use that coupon code MOLLY for $15 off. Also, I have something really exciting for my Los Angeles area friends, or really anyone who loves to visit the West Coast and wants to take a trip there. Remember my friend Blythe Hill, the CEO and founder of Dressember? I had her on the show back in December, and we briefly talked about the You Can Do Anything in a Dress 5K? Well, it is happening. For the past five years, the Dress Ember campaign and thousands of advocates have shown that you can do anything in a dress. Now, in their first spring event ever, they're putting their money where their mouth is and running a 5K in dresses, and the guys are running in ties. In five years, Dress Ember has raised over $5 million towards the fight to end modern-day slavery by wearing dresses and ties. The 5K will be held Sunday, May 20th, 2018 at Griffith Park in Los Angeles. You can register at Dressember 5K, that's the number 5, dot fundraise.org. That's Dressember 5K dot F-U-N-R-A-I-S-E dot org and use the coupon code we love business with purpose to get 10% off your registration fee. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring amazing entrepreneurs and business owners who are literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener of the show, thank you so much for tuning in week in and week out. And thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, Google Play, whichever podcasting app you like best and make sure you're subscribed to the show. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure that you never miss a new episode of the podcast. And while you're there, would you mind taking a moment to leave a review of the show? Leaving a review of the show helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. And if you share the show on social media, be sure to use the hashtag business with purpose podcast or tag me at still being Molly on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. This show is edited by my amazing husband and executive producer, John Stillman. And the music is by Mark Killian of third wheel media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose.